Dads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. My trusted friend and kinsman, I am dying. Who could dream that such black sin dwelt in one so young and fair? What I know is well now too terrible to be spoken. I must go and free that poor beast. I will return shortly. Godfrey? Godfrey, where art thou? Greetings, Junior Scholars. I am Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to safeguard the classics and inspire children to a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in literature and history. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us, and a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode, and especially my Patreon supporters who help keep the show going and growing. If you like what we are doing, creating stories for the good of your kids, consider supporting me on Patreon for five bucks a month. Now today, we begin a new series called The Story of Lohengrin with part one, the beautiful Elsa of Brabant. But before we get to the story... Lost and found words! Our first word today is liege with an L. This is another word for lord, ruler, or chief. Liege. Our second word today is imperious with an I. Imperious. This means assuming power or authority without justification. You could also say arrogant, domineering, or bossy. Our third word today is uncouth, with a U, uncouth. This is about a person or their appearance or behavior. It means lacking good manners, refinement, or grace. You could also say uncivilized, rude, or impolite. Our fourth word today is regent, with an R, regent. This is a person appointed to administer a country. Because the ruler is young, or is absent, or incapacitated. Our fifth word today is usurper, with a U, usurper. This is a person who takes a position of power or importance illegally, or by force. And our last word today is fathom with an F, fathom. This means to understand after much thought. He couldn't fathom why she was being so anxious. You could also say comprehend, make sense of, or decipher. That's all for today's Lost and Found Words. Now on to the show. Upon a time there lived, in the ancient city of Antwerp, a beautiful maiden called Elsa. She dwelt in a grand old palace. The walls were thick as any fortress, and the towers looked proudly down on the town. Elsa's father was the Duke of Brabant, a noble prince 
who for long years had faithfully served his liege lord, the King of Germany, and had won much honor to Brabant. Elsa had only one brother, the young Prince Godfrey, and these two loved each other more than any other brother and sister in the world. One day the Duke was taken ill, so ill that he could no longer attend to the affairs of state, and a few days later all Brabant knew that their beloved Duke lay dying. As their mother had been dead many years, and they had no near relatives, the Duke then sent for his kinsman, Count Telramund. This man was imperious and hot-tempered, with manners uncouth as a bear, but he was brave as a lion, and the Duke had full confidence in his good heart and knightly honor. The Count hastened to obey the royal summons. My trusted friend and kinsman, Frederick of Telramund, said the Duke, I am dying. With my last breath, I confide to thy care, my beloved children, Elsa and Godfrey. Watch over them, protect them from all ill, till Godfrey be of an age to reign, and Elsa is married to a husband she loves. Until then, I appoint thee as regent and protector in Brabant. Count Telleramund knelt by the side of the dying duke and swore solemnly to fulfill the trust and, if needs be, to lay down his life for the young prince and princess. Thank heaven, murmured the duke. And now, my cousin, is there aught that I can do for thee in return for so great a service? Oh, most noble prince, there is one boon I would ask for not so great a gift I scarce dare even to name it. Whatever thy wish, cousin, it is granted, if it be in my power to bestow it. What is thy request? Most gracious sovereign, stammered the count, growing red to the roots of his tawny beard. I love the princess Elsa. Wilt thou give her to be my wife? Elsa started. Without stirring, and her face deadly pale, she listened breathlessly for her father's reply. Gladly would I give my child to thy safekeeping, noble cousin. But in this matter, I must leave the maiden free to choose for herself. If she accepts thy hand, thou hast my full consent and blessing. More than this, I cannot say. The Count knelt and pressed his lips to the hand of the dying duke, who, blessing Telleramund, sank back exhausted and bade him farewell. Shortly after, the good prince died, at peace with all. Elsa, heartbroken at her father's death, found her only consolation in her young brother Godfrey. For a long time, she refused to see anyone else. Count Telleramund often sought opportunity to speak with her, but she avoided him with dread. Then Telleramund changed his tone and demanded her hand as his right, the dying bequest of her father, the Duke. My father left me free. Never would he wish me to give my hand where I could not give my heart also, Sir Count. No women and very few men had ever dared to contradict his wishes. 
Sooner or later, he vowed, she should be his. Now, there was a wicked lady of a tall, commanding figure, dark and handsome, Otruda by name. She was very learned and had studied all manner of sorceries, which enabled her to exert the magic power of a witch. Her forefathers had once been mighty princes who reigned over Brabant and all the countries round. She regarded Elsa and Godfrey as usurpers, holding what rightfully belonged to her, and she hated them with a bitter hatred. Also, there was another and deeper cause for her hatred towards Elsa, and that was that she herself had long wished to marry Count Telramund. One day, Telramund came to Otruda and told her how Elsa had dared to despise his love and reject his hand. That he should confide in her pleased Otruda well, also that Elsa should refuse the count, though she loved her none the more for doing so. The impertinent minx to take on such airs, thought Otruda. Teleramon found comfort in Otruda's indignation. His heart was set on marrying Elsa, and he was willing to wait long if only he might win her in the end. When Otruda saw this, she laid a deep plot, by means of which she hoped to turn his love from Elsa. In the depths of the forest was a lonely tower. Here, Otruda was wont to retire and study sorcery for long days and nights together. She became at last so practiced that she could by enchantments change people into different birds and beasts. One day, Elsa and Godfrey were roaming together alone in the forest. Otruda, always on the watch, followed them, unseen at a distance. After a while, they sat down to rest by the side of a pool whose still depths, it was said, no one had ever fathomed. Presently, Elsa and Godfrey were startled by hearing a piercing, pitiful cry, like that of some animal caught in a trap. Godfrey started up, crying, I must go and free that poor beast. Rest here a while, Elsa. I will return shortly. He sprang lightly through the thickly growing bushes and trees, and was soon hidden from sight. Elsa waited by the pool, thinking of all the happy plans she and Godfrey had been making for the future when he would reign as Duke. The trees overhead rustled strangely, and Elsa, looking up, saw a great white swan circling round and waving his wings wildly as though in distress. Then, with a sad cry, he flew away. Elsa grew uneasy. Surely an hour must have passed, yet Godfrey had not returned. She called aloud, Godfrey? Godfrey, where art thou? But there was no answer, 
save the echo of her own voice, which rang through the wood as though mocking her anxious cry. Then, in deadly fear, she started up and tried to trace his steps, but the dense thicket left no track. Pale and trembling, Elsa returned at last to the palace and told how Gottfried had mysteriously disappeared. That night, the forest was searched from end to end with torches and lanterns, and all the following day the search continued, but not a trace of the missing boy could be found. Two days after Godfrey's disappearance, Utruda came to Telramund. She appeared in deep distress, saying she had something to reveal and dared no longer to keep silence. What I know is well nigh too terrible to be spoken. Who will credit my dark tale? Listen, thy search for Godfrey is useless. Two days ago I sat alone meditating in my tower in the forest, when I espied Elsa and Godfrey sitting together by the pool, that awful pool where tis said a drowning man may sink for thousand years, yet never touch the bottom. On a sudden, I heard a cry, and looking, saw Elsa, aided by a stranger, whose face was turned to me, push her young brother backward into the dread pool. Horrible! Most horrible! Thou sawest this with thine own eyes? I saw it with these same eyes. That will I swear, though it were my last breath. Who could dream that such black sin dwelt in one so young and fair? I, and knowing that thou lovest her, I would have kept silent. But when thine enemies whispered that thou, being next of kin, might thyself have caused the lad's disappearance, then my love for thee made me bold to speak the dread secret. I thank thee, Ortuda. Thou hast ever shown thyself my faithful friend. It were better had I given my love to thee instead of wasting it on one so unworthy. My father's house once ruled in this land and injustice should be ruling still. Ah, were poor Otruda queen, with what joy would she lay her kingdom at thy feet? noblest and bravest of men. Thou art worthy to be a queen, and thou shalt be, noble and wise Ortuda. For here do I swear to make thee my wife, instead of her in whom I have been so woefully deceived. As for the murderess, her cruel deed shall be brought to light. She shall be tried by our king, Henry of Germany, and and both she and her base lover will assuredly be condemned to death. In obedience to Telramund's orders, Elsa was put under arrest and placed in a dark prison cell to await her trial before the king. She was kept a close prisoner, no one save the followers of Telramund and Otruda being allowed to come near her. In her grief and despair, she knelt one night and prayed, one long, bitter cry for help. And all at once, her prayer seemed taken up 
as though on angels' wings, above the narrow prison cell, up, up, till it pierced the utmost heights of the sky above. Elsa listened till she heard the faint echo fade away far overhead. And as she wondered what it might mean, a gentle sleep closed her eyes. She dreamt, and in her dream, she saw a noble knight in shining silver armor. Swiftly through the air he came, and ascending to her prison cell, stood by her side. No word did he speak, but with looks and signs, he bade her banish all fear and sorrow and trust in him. For he was sent by heaven in answer to her cry. When Elsa woke, the bitterness of her grief had passed. The vision had departed, but she felt assured that her prayer was heard and that sooner or later, the heaven-sent night of her dream would come and bring her deliverance. Tune in next time on the Junior Classics for part two of the story of Lohengrin, the Knights of the Holy Grail. Until then, I am Sir Bradley Hassey. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the Junior Classics. I learned much about these stories as I researched their history for the show. And wouldn't you know it, the composer Richard Wagner, who composed an opera based on our last series on Siegfried and Brudhilda, also composed an opera based on the story of Lohengrin. So, without further ado, I present Lohengrin, the prelude to Act One. The piece is a musical depiction of the Holy Grail as it descends to earth in the care of an angelic host.